Welcome to Osama Bin Laden International Airport, formerly Hamid Karzai International Airport. Now with non-stop flights to Karachi, Pakistan, Lahore, Pakistan, and Islamabad, Pakistan. The yellow zone is for vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices only. Please do not park in the yellow zone. Please do not leave females unattended anywhere in the airport. Unattended females may be removed without warning and may be destroyed. Please remove all belts, sandals, and suicide vests and place them in the trays. Women, kindly do not remove your shoes or anything. Thank you. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. A mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com Discount Electric. Hi, I was wondering if you could redo my um, daughter-in-law's home. Absolutely. Uh, where is it? Uh, it's down on, um, on South Main Street on the other side of the tracks. Oh, the other side of the track. Okay. That's not a problem. We have, we have, uh, capable technicians. We are good at fixing electric and, and installing electric and, and doing all that stuff. We have conduit. We have a lot of yeah, conduit. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I it's okay. But, um, but the discount part. Yes. That's more what I'm focused on. Like you can talk about all conduits. I don't know that stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're going to save me a lot of money. You're not going to spend a lot of money for, for my guys. That's right. So they're, they're not unionized. No, 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 no. <laughs> good, good. Uh, are they uh, particularly well trained? They're trained. Okay. I, I, I like the word that you chose to, to repeat back to me that uh, yeah, I, I, I like the vibe you're sending out here. I'm not particularly invested in this portion of my family. So, um, so let's talk numbers. Yeah. Um, they're doing a complete gut renovation and, um, I, I got roped into, uh, you know, due to some separation agreements that I have to, um, I have to pay for the electric in their home. Yeah. Well, so, you, uh, how can we save some money on this thing? Well, I mean, there's a lot of ways to save money on this thing. I mean, first of all, you know, code building mm -hmm. code, that is a menace. You know, mm -hmm. all these rules and regulations and stipulations and things you have to do. Uh, we don't, we don't do that. We don't do code. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, learn to code. I say, don't learn to code. Really good. Yeah. And so we, we don't bother with that. And there are a lot of ways you can get around things like, so, you know, outlets, for example. Now, normally a, an expensive electrician is going to come in, he's going to put in conduit and then he's going to run the wires, you know, through the conduit and he's going to set up his little boxes. Well, we don't do that. You know, mm -hmm. you can, you can get an extension cord, 25 foot, 50 foot, hundred foot. You can plug it in and just run it through the walls and stick it out of a hole in the wall. And there you have a, a three prong uh, plug right there, wherever you want it. Could come out of the ceiling if you want. Well, it actually sounds like I'd be doing them a favor. You have more access to it. You, if you want, you want more plug, you just pull it out of the wall. You got a hundred foot extension cord jammed into the wall. You just pull out as much as you need. Let's maybe, maybe not spring for the hundred footer, but let's go with the 50. But I, but I, I take your point. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, just because, you know, they're going to ask me this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing. They live in an all wood house. Yeah. And, um, and my daughter-in-law works in the paper mache business. You know, what's your safety record in terms of like fires? My safety record in terms of fires. Well, you know, it, it's arguable because you never know what was the root cause of the inferno. We don't know. The fire marshals can investigate. They can come up with theories and conclusions, but you know, they're not definitive. They're just kind of guesstimates. So was mm -hmm. it the hundred foot extension cord overheating and setting the drywall on fire? Possibly. Or maybe, maybe an evil imp came out of a hell hole that uh, burst out of the ground and he crawled into the house and he set fire to it. We're not going to know, will we? We won't. On the other side of the tracks, there are a lot of hell holes. I can promise you. There's that. a ton of hell holes and there's a lot of evil imps. Okay. So your safety record, we, we would say when, 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 you know, my, my wife and her family asked me this, um, you'd say it's just incomplete. 
it's a, it's a work in progress is what I usually say. That sounds positive. It is positive. It's looking forward. It's forgetting about the past. It's overlooking the, the incidents and it's, it's looking forward in the future. It's eyes on the prize. And the prize is a discount electrified house. Yes. Electrified. Um, what, uh, can, can you tell me maybe just like, a maybe about your last client, maybe I could just sort of call and get a recommendation from them. You could. Uh, he's not released yet. Uh, when he gets out, I can give you his information. Oh, is he in, in, in prison? No, 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 no. He's in a, he's in a psychiatric facility. Oh, oh no. What happened? He witnessed the immolation of his entire family. And it was a holiday, so it was extended. He lost everything. Oh, man. Yeah. So he, um. Women, too. And. and A lot of people, yeah, women too. That's. Yeah. I don't know if that makes it sadder or not, but. Oh yeah. Okay. So um. All right. So we can't talk to him. How about maybe the client before that? Could I talk to him? Yep. Or her. You may. Oh great. Oh good. 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 Um. What? When? What would they say? Well, it's what the executor of the estate would say. Because they've been authorized to speak on behalf of the deceased. Okay, but he. I mean, that guy probably doesn't have a lot of skin in the game. He'll probably would just say things went well, or what, what would he say? He would say she doesn't have a lot of skin in the game. The game being her, her body. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a term they use in the medical industry. Mm -hmm. You know, your game is out of skin. You've got third degree game. I didn't know you were also so smart in uh, medicine. Yeah. You know, I, um, all the time I didn't spend learning code. I devoted to learning, uh, uh stuff on WebMD. That's great. This is, I'm going to be calling you for a lot of different things. Well, I'd love to have you call me. There, are there any, uh, safety features or precautions that they need to take once the house is done? Is there something you would recommend once they move into the house that you have um, re-electrified? Well, I mean, you know, you, you get used to, we, we get spoiled, the Americans especially, we get spoiled. We think we can leave everything plugged in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the actual truth of the matter is you shouldn't. You should unplug right. all the appliances, all the lights, the refrigerator, everything, and just plug it in when you need it. Okay. I mean, they're going to want to have the refrigerator plugged in all the time just because that's the way they were raised. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they, they want to open the fridge and have something cold, you know, and it's just kind of like, yep. you got to think about, there are so many countries where people don't have that luxury. You yep. know, they, they don't have electricity and you kind of got to think like they do. So uh, I would advise, you know, getting that thing up to a decent temperature and then not opening it. Because not only do okay. you save the cold, you lose weight. Oh, that's a really good, I, I could stand to lose a few pounds and I know she can. Yeah. Let me tell you. Well, great. Uh, yeah. When can you have someone over to their house? Uh, well, uh, we have posted bail. Um, so we could be out. I, I, my guess would be 48 hours. You know, this stuff takes time. The wheels of justice grind slowly. Uh, paperwork, man. Don't, don't sweat that stuff. I will uh, be on my way to your place. Uh, as soon as I'm out. Do not come to my place. Ladies and gentlemen, but mostly gentlemen, flight two to Karachi is currently delayed due to the runway being on fire. Brian, we're back. We are back, Jack. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So what, you know, here's a little behind the scenes info for our listeners, our beloved listeners, is that, you know, in August, as most of America does, you and I went on separate vacations. Separate but you equal, to Jack. That's right. That it has to be equal. Otherwise, I can't have had a good time if I know you were having a time that could be better. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, uh, so I, I went to Michigan and Rhode Island. You went to Poland, and so we we pre-recorded a few of our uh, our, our last two uh, episodes of the podcast. Yep. So this is our first one in like three or four weeks. That's like brand new. I like know. We're recording this in the middle of September. A lot, a lot of catching up to do. 
a lot of catching up to do. And the first thing I would like to be caught up on is there's a picture that you sent me that you texted to me yesterday. And I I would like to hear what happened. Uh, I would like you to describe the picture to our listeners and tell us what happened. The picture is of a dead deer uh, that is in the back of my Jeep. That's a weird place to have a dead deer. And this is real. Yes. So Mm -hmm. yesterday morning, I went out on the porch and had a cup of coffee, 630 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I sat down, was going to just do a little maybe reading of the news, Mm kind of catch up. Mm -hmm. And uh, the dog, the German shepherd, Misha, sitting there by my feet, a loyal dog. And uh, and I had a few sips of my coffee. And then she suddenly growls and bolts off the porch and dashes down the yard. And oh I look, I look out and I see her chasing a deer. Oh, and she's chasing the deer all over the property and uh, running around and scares the deer so much that the deer actually bursts through the deer gate that uh, is closed on the driveway and takes the entire uh-huh. uh, maybe 12 foot by eight foot deer netting off with her or it. Oh, holy cow. And, uh, and then the dog being an idiot, uh, follows the deer across the street and into the woods. So now, oh my God. So I'm freaking out because number one, we had just gotten up and I take the dog's collar off at night. So she doesn't make a lot of noise with it. Yep. And so she didn't have a collar on. She's bolting across the street and I don't exist anymore in her world. She's in complete prey drive. And so she is just going after this deer. And so all the calling in the world, like, come here. No, stop. Doesn't listen to me at all. Does not register at all. So this freaking thing goes bolting into the woods, looking for the deer, finally realizes the deer takes up, but still has to cross back across the road, which is terrifying to me. Yeah. She comes back across the road and, and then, you know, I'm, I'm annoyed with her as um, I just want to grab her, but I can't, she doesn't have a collar. And then, uh, you know, so I'm basically like, you know, listen to me, don't run, you know, talking to a dog, which is pointless. And then sure. it perks up again and it bolts in the back of the yard. <laughs> And I'm like, what's going on? And there's another deer. So it goes bolting into the woods. And by the time I get there, there is a dead deer lying on the ground. And I ascertain what happened was the deer was so panicked that it was running and got its head caught between two little trees and broke its own neck. Uh, Because the poor thing, I mean, it was just lying there with its its broken head, broken neck, you know, between the trees. So now I'm screaming at the dog, like, you idiot, you know, uh, I grab the dog. Oh. I, I throw her into the dog pen. Oh, God. and now I've got to contend with this dead deer. And I have a oh, new. God. Well, then this is it. And uh, this is also how you lost your first wife, right? Yeah, I was chasing her through the woods, <laughs> and you know, I was being. I thought it was a funny game, and then she just kept. You were looking. in prey mode. I was in prey mode, and she kept saying "stop, stop, stop," and I thought it was really funny. And then there was a, a two trees and she kind of looked back at me and then turned around. And next thing I know, she, her neck snaps and she, she slides down to the ground and, and I didn't realize she had died. So I, I was roughhousing with her some more. <laughs> you were roughhousing with her, with her, with her. Yeah. Body. I was doing little noogies and stuff like that and trying to tickle her and I was getting no response. And then I looked and I saw the eyes. Uh, there was a, actually a beetle walking on her eye. That's when I realized she was deceased because beetles walking on your eye usually trigger some kind of a response. Yeah. Yeah. Involuntary. Wow. Yeah. You know, you, once you go for the eyes, the person, you know, immediately gives up any pretense of, of playing dead. And in this case, she didn't. Uh, and the beetle was having its way with her eye. And, um, and so I realized things were bad. So that's when I, I ran back to the house and, and called the police. How long were you roughhousing with her? Would you guess? I, 40, 50 minutes. Uh, was that typical in that relationship to roughhouse with her for that long? Not that long. Cause usually she would tell me to stop it. You know, she'd be like, okay, <laughs> enough, enough, enough. Please stop tickling me. Uh-huh. I got to go to the bathroom. And none of that happened. Although she did go to the bathroom because when you die, you lose control of your bodily functions. So, so that was sort of like a, a tell that, that she was alive and that was, that was normal. Yeah. I just thought she, she hadn't voiced her displeasure at me tickling her until she peed, but uh, I hadn't realized he just completely lost control of all bodily functions. 
Right, because there were no impulses going to her brain anymore. That's right. Yep. I mean, certainly if there was an impulse saying there's a beetle on my eye, it would have done something about it. But there was none of that. Okay. And what did the police say when they got there? Where's the beetle? (laughs) So you told them that story and they really, really wanted to see it. They were kind of like excited about that part. Yeah, because they wanted to know like, you know, how big was the beetle? Like if they would have freaked out too, that kind of thing. And we looked all around, but we couldn't find it. I think it moved on. Like your wife. Yeah. Uh, But she was great. I, yeah, no, I know you always spoke so well of her. I'm, you know, I'm sorry to bring that up. I'm sorry that this must have brought it up. Okay, so so back to back to the present day. Yeah. So you, so all right. So the the deer, the broken neck deer, is laying there on the ground. What happens next? Well, now I've got to remove the dead deer from the property, uh-huh. uh, which is highly unpleasant because it was heavy. Uh, oh, and I you know, picked up the back legs, and then and of course its head's wedged between the two trees. So now I got to figure out how to, how to get it out of there. And I didn't really want to lift up the head cause I knew it would feel weird with the broken neck most likely. Yeah. And so I had to, I pulled the trees apart and then I yanked its uh, head out of the, the tree. And then, and then I, I picked it up like a very unpleasant kettlebell. So like, mm-hmm. you know, two legs, uh, the, the rear legs in one arm and the other front legs in the other arm and just kind of lifted it up. It was probably like sure. 80, 90 pounds. It was very heavy. And, and then I basically was like, Oh, like going through the woods. Well, my idiot dog is staring at me from the dog pen. And, and then, you know, and, the, and and speaking of, um, you know, losing control of bodily functions, the deer was actually, there was poop, come, little deer pellets. Where, where I was basically, no. I was dispensing uh, deer pellets as I'm walking with the deer. So I was like oh. a Johnny Appleseed of deer pellets. <laughs> well, at least there was a trail to find your way back. Yeah. So I could get back to my, the, where the, the, the scene of the crime. And uh, yeah, I brought it to the car and then I went and got some plastic sheeting and threw that in the bed of the car and, and lifted up my kettlebell deer and put it in the back. And and then I drove down a, a remote country road and parked and uh, and threw the damn thing off the, the side down a hill. So it could be wow. the circle of life. It could feed some coyotes or, or whatever else likes to eat deer, crows, hunters, whatever. <laughs> So maybe just save the hunter the the work that he can just br- bring this deer home to his wife. And say, yeah. Look, I broke this thing's damn neck. I thought about posting it on some kind of community board. Like, does anybody want some fresh venison? Because it's sitting here. But then I was like, you know what? I need to get this deer off the property because the dog is just sitting there waiting to get out of the pen and, and just wants to go after the dead deer. Wow. And the best part is there's one more deer on the property. Yes, clearly. Yeah, there's a little baby deer. It looks like Bambi, and he uh, she oh, uh, bolted after it this morning. But Bam- oh my god! Yeah, but Bambi got away. So now I've got to figure out how to get that deer off the property. Well, I mean, it sounds like Bambi might be looking for his mommy. Yeah, it's a little sad because I think Daddy took off, and Mommy uh, is now being consumed by beetles, and um, and Bambi is enjoying my grapes, and I, I left some uh, overripe cucumbers over near where I think mm-hmm. she's uh, nesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not ideal. But that was my day. Nice. That was my morning. I, I did more before like nine o'clock in the morning than most people do all day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good uh, Lord. So that ex- that's the story behind that photograph. That's a crazy story. I mean, you really live in the, um, you really live in the woods, man. I'm in the woods right now. I'm in the, I'm in a rural area. You are in a rural area. Well, I'm, I'm also having a pet issue. Yeah. We've, uh, on, on this show, we have discussed my cat Kiki. Yeah. Uh, who I, uh, it's almost our one year anniversary of, uh, adopting her, losing her and then getting her back. And, um, Kiki has taken to, uh, so she's now about one years old. Uh, Kiki is, has always had a, a thing where, you know, every couple months we'd find a little spot, like of, cl- like if there's a pile of clothes somewhere. We would um, pick it up and there'd, it'd be wet and it, we'd smell it like, oh, she peed here. Cat oh, pee. God. Wouldn't happen very often. She is now taken to, she can open drawers with her little Popeye forearm cat paws. And she'll like, so she's opened my son's pants drawer for his and his dresser. And she keeps peeing on all of his clothes. She opens the dresser, gets into his dresser drawer like it's a cat box and pees over everything. Wow. Well, yeah. There's a reason for that. 
What's the reason? Systemic racism, Jack. How, what, what? Tell, uh, what? I, I mean, I, I'm sure it is, but to explain it to me. Well, your son is a white a male, uh, possibly straight. And so he yeah, falls into the oppressor class. The oppressor class, because oh, that's a class. If now. you look at the intersectionality matrix, he is at the top. Mm-hmm. He's the oppressor and uh, needs to be punished. And this cat is, is basically seeking restorative justice. Well, I mean, I can't be mad at that. No. Uh, it's it's virtuous. Uh, you should probably tweet about it and Facebook about it. Let everybody well, know. I want everyone, yeah, I want everyone to know that I'm a, an ally. Your cat is basically fighting uh, to punish your son for uh, being born the way he is. Well, that's great. I mean, because that, that's something he should fix and change. That heteronormative dick. <laughs> that's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, gosh, I mean, um, well, thanks for it. You know, what, is there any way, you know, cause I want her to stop doing this. Is, mm. are, are there any behaviors that he can change or anything that I can do to him to, to make her stop, um, peeing? Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, one of the, the tried and true method is to deprive them of all liquids. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if nothing's going in, nothing's coming out. Right. And That's so smart. what we did was when I had a cat doing that, my cat Maxwell, uh, I filled his water dish with sand and a little <laughs> sign uh, that just, I stuck it in and it said, how do you like these apples? How did he like the apples? He didn't like it. He would, he kind of, he pawed through the sand. I think he was looking for water and then he defecated in it. Cause I guess he assumed it was a tiny litter box next to his food. Uh, and then uh, he proceeded to wander around the house looking for liquids. I caught him you uh-huh. know, on the rim of the toilet. I shut the lid very quickly, mm-hmm. actually very slowly because it's one of a soft closed lids. So we had to wait there for like 14 to 18 seconds until yeah, it finally, so it was, it was actually very temptational. It was like the poor cat yeah. was just staring at the water as it, as it went away. Um, sure. And, you know, every time I took a bath, the Maxwell was there looking at me, trying, trying to see if he could kind of get in there and get a swig. And, uh, uh-huh. and I, I didn't let him and uh, I solved the problem. That's great. So he never peed in anything again? No, no. He passed away three days after I started this project. Well, that's terrible timing. Oh my gosh. I guess it was just his time. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it sucks because I was keeping very uh, detailed notes uh, of, of my experiment because uh, I've read a lot of Dr. Mengele and I wanted to know, you know, I, I like science. I know you do. So, and I know you've been trying to publish a paper. Yeah. I want to be peer reviewed. Dude, you have no peers, my friend. That's right. But I, I would like to find some and have them peer me. <laughs> All right. Well, man, you know, well, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry for what you had to go through. And uh, at, at the same time, I thank you for um, your advice for my situation. Thank you. I'm happy to help. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen. Flight 1 to Karachi is currently overbooked by 12,000 passengers, so if you'd like to give up your seat, you will receive a complimentary pair of night vision goggles and a Humvee. Hey, Brian, I don't know if you saw this story that came out a week or so ago, but a former Walmart executive and e-commerce billionaire Mark Lohr, L-O-R-E, Lohr or Lori, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, um, has announced that he wants to build the world's first woke city from scratch somewhere in the United States. Yeah. Somewhere out in the desert or something, a, a woke city. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's there. I mean, they're looking at different places, Nevada, Idaho, Nebraska, the Appalachians um, or, or Texas are, are a couple of the possible um, landing spots for this, this woke city that will be called uh, Tolosa. Why not Wakanda? Because that's already so perfect and real and in Africa. Oh, uh, what, what, this where, is for America. Where does this name stem from? From the ancient Greek word telos or telos, meaning highest purpose. Oh. Okay. And so the mission of the city is to create a more equitable, sustainable future. Um, we're going to be the most open, the most fair, and the most inclusive city in the world. And he calls his economic vision equitism. And, and there will be an equitism tower. Uh, as well in the city. That's uh, and all of this is true. Fantastic. Yep. So the initial phase of the project targeted for completion in 2030 uh, would be built to accommodate 50,000 residents to start. 
uh, at a cost of $25 billion. And the idea is that you take this worthless land and you build all this stuff and you invest all this money and something that costs $40 billion will eventually be worth, you know, $250 billion once all these people sort of move in and, and create the city in the middle of nowhere that's um, nothing but uh, equitism. 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 Uh, I, I want to be an equitist. Well, and I, and I know you are because you're on the planning committee. Yes. I, you know, I, I know you're sort of playing sort of dumb about like, oh, what does, you know, Tolosa mean? But right. um, you're on the planning committee for this. So, I mean, I would love to just sort of get yeah. some insights. Uh, you know, I mean, a woke city is so exciting to me. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I saw something the other day that I didn't agree with and I really freaked out. Um, and I'd like to go to some place where that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, uh, this is this will be like the world's largest safe space. Uh huh. Good. And, uh, and, you know, we, we're so excited for this project and, and looking forward to raising the $25 billion, uh, mm -hmm. which is so much fun to do. And, um, so we've assembled a board. Oh, okay. And the board is one of each. And so, I mean, we've, it's the most diverse board you can imagine. The only thing it's lacking are anybody with any kind of a conservative mindset. Cause that's just poison. Right. I mean, diverse, but not crazy. Yeah. Not diversity of ideas. We need diversity of skin tones and uh, ethnicities, but we, let's keep the ideas. Let's stay focused on what yep. this is. This is a dream and we can't have people derailing it uh, with their uh, snarky comments or their criticisms or their hurtful words, their hate speech. Uh, and yeah, so we good. don't welcome those people. Those people are not allowed. Well, I, you know, I'm sure your Native American gender flux, um, you know, uh, consultant is very happy about that. Yeah, he was he was saying that just the other day. Well, damn, Brian. Well, OK, well, that's good. Enough. So, OK, so, you know, let's go. So this is you're doing urban planning, urban this planning like game Sim city. Yep. This is so exciting. So how I mean, let's you know, it's it's about keeping the cars moving. Right. It's about pick. It's about trash pickup. How does the trash pickup work in the woke city? Well, I mean, obviously, trash picking up is it's one of these professions that is uh, oftentimes looked down upon. Like, yep. oh, you know, if you don't uh, finish your homework, you're going to wind up, you know, picking up the trash. If you don't graduate right. yeah. high school, you're going to be a trash picker upper. Yeah, it's a, that's a threat parents use. Absolutely. Well, so what we do is um, we're paying the trash bin $300,000 a year <laughs> and they wear tuxedos. Okay, and that's equitism? That's partial of, uh, that is part equitism. Yeah. I mean, we want to show that everybody uh, is, is worthy, no matter from the, from the lowly trash picker upper uh, to the dreadful uh, CEO. Uh, mm -hmm. We want to make sure everybody understands where, where that they all fit into mm -hmm. our society. That's, that's lovely, I guess. So, yeah. okay. So, all right. So you've got these incredibly wealthy tuxedoed trash picker uppers. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what will they be called? Because I imagine garbage man is, is not a, a term that would be safe in a woke city. Oh, that's actually, that's incredibly offensive. It's actually, that falls under the hate oh, speech code. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Well, I want to hear more about that I'm, code, but I'm sorry. So what, what do we call them? It's so funny. Sorry. If you had said that on, on the city premises, you would have been placed in the love jail. <laughs> what? Okay. So many questions. What's a love jail? Well, and it's, you know, it's a jail, but it just sounds better. <laughs> you know why? Because we don't have any police. We've right. I would assume now. Of course not. Completely defunded them. So we have to convince you to incarcerate yourself. And that's why we call it the love jail. Like, I want to go to the love jail. It sounds and, great. You know, yeah. My wife and I have been fighting. I wouldn't mind a little love jail. Time. Go to the love jail. Yeah. Well, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. So you're really counting on self-incarceration. Self-incarceration is one of the key tenets of our, of our philosophy. Um, as far as what we would call these individuals, uh, they will be called uh, global warming preventer assisters. Because, of course, of their important part, they play in uh, recycling. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. So... You can't recycle all the trash. I mean, they're, you know, the dirty diapers and, uh, you know, things that aren't, are not recyclable in there. That is true. 90% of the trash you recycle actually winds up back in the landfill. That is an unfortunate reality. Oh. Um, and that is why we are going to use, we're going to have a giant compost pile. <laughs> 
and just hope that disposable diapers will eventually disintegrate. Okay, and where will the where will that where will that be? Compost Park. Okay. <laughs> we're multi-purpose. We're multi. You know, it's a multi-purpose park. Okay, so it's a giant. <laughs> The giant landfill, which we're going to call a composting hill <laughs> and park. Yeah, it's, so imagine like a central park, but larger and filled mm -hmm. with more trash. But, you know, there will be places for picnicking. There will be places for, for playing with the dog. There will be places for flying a kite. You just might trip mm -hmm. over a washing machine. <laughs> well, first of all, I can't imagine Central Park with more trash. So. Already, you've sort of blown my mind, yeah. like imagining infinity, you know, it just can't happen. Um, okay, so so you've got the, the family outings going to, you know, basically like the Staten Island landfill. Yes. Okay. It, it seems like there might be some um, uh, rats and disease in a place like that. Uh, there would be rats and disease, except we've uh, employed uh, the disease eradicators. What are disease eradicators? They are gentlemen and women uh, in tuxedos who beat rats up with a mallet. Okay. I mean, that seems, can you kill a rat in a woke city though? Yes. Okay. Cause rats aren't people. Uh, okay. I'm not sure how much. <laughs> How much longer that's going to be true. But yes, in 2021, it, if someone is listening to this recording in 2024, when rats identify as people, don't get mad at us. Here in 2021, they don't count as people yeah, yet. We didn't know any better back now. <laughs> we, we're not hateful. There's no hate we're in not, our hearts. No. Just to us, rats carry disease. Don't look at us through a future lens. You know, just look at it. You have to look at us through today's lens. Just like, you know, 200 years from now when everybody's vegan, they're going to look back at meat eaters and, and tear down all the statues of anybody who ate a hamburger. Because <laughs> we're yeah. animals. Disgusting. Yeah, they're going to tear down that Ruth Bader Ginsburg statue. That's going to be a, you know. Yeah, she loves, <laughs> she loves sausage. <laughs> she really did. Yeah. She really did. And she's not then. And, and, and in, you know, she won't be liberal enough. by then. No. She will be vilified. Okay. All right. So you've got these rat chaser picker uppers or whatever they're called. Uh, men and women with mallets uh, chasing down rats through, through the park where you're taking your kids for a, a, a day of playing Frisbee. Yep. Okay. And you can still play Frisbee in the parks. Oh, uh, you can play Frisbee in the parks. Yep. Okay. Can I play uh, other sports? Well, it depends. We don't play any of the sports that require points. Okay. Because yeah. that, that has disparate outcomes mm -hmm. and is an indicator of, of some kind of supremacy. And so that that's not allowed. Throwing a Frisbee, of course, is a, a simple act of just throwing a disc. It may or may yeah. not go far depending on the wind and your wrist. Mm -hmm. And so it really doesn't matter. But when you get into this one point here, two points here, that's not cool. It's hurtful and fat people are beautiful. <laughs> is that, is that on the sort of like, is that the work will make you free? Uh, <laughs> yes. The gate to the city the, says fat the, people are beautiful. Yes. We, we took that from the Arbeit Mach Frey uh, idea and we said fat people are beautiful. And so as you enter the city, it says fat people are beautiful and, and you'll see billboards everywhere of just these enormous uh, people. Uh, and, uh -huh. and, and underneath it just says beautiful to, to, just to, to drive the point home. Mm -hmm. Lovely. That's, that's lovely. So, okay. That's great. You know, what about, I know you, you said you defunded the police. Yes. Uh, you know, what's the, the fire department situation in a woke city? I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I like, we happen to live, my wife and I here in, in Westchester happen to live like half a block away from like a little mini firehouse and that makes us feel safe. Yeah. You know, what about, um, what about in, in, uh, woke topia or whatever the hell it's called? Uh, Telosa. Telosa. Well, the Telosa fire department is going to be, of course, uh, incredibly diverse. We don't want to be ableist in any way. So mm -hmm. you, if you have a disability, you are invited to apply. 
Okay. You might be in a wheelchair. You might have one leg. Uh, you might be able to lift 40 to 50 pounds. It really doesn't matter in Telosa. We just want you to mm -hmm. feel good about being a firefighter. If that's what you want to do. Sure. So there could be a firefighter in a, you know, in a high rise or apartment building or whatever. Yeah. And uh, a man in a wheelchair or, or woman in a wheelchair, gosh, I'm sorry, would have to roll up the ladder <laughs> to rescue people. Yeah. Well, he can't take the elevator. You know, that, that's yeah. on every sign. Yeah, it sure is. So, I mean, I, hmm. my assumption is they would ditch the wheelchair and just climb up the ladder with their forearms, very strong forearms, <laughs> and then get up to the floor. And then the individual would say, please help me. And the firefighter would say, dude, I can't. But like they could take some notes down to some loved ones or what, or what happened? Yeah, he's got, he's like, I, the best I can do is one hand because I need to hold on to this ladder. Uh, my legs haven't worked since the car accident. So, you know, give me whatever you want. I'll, I'll pass it on. <laughs> and then he's going to just kind of make his way back down. And the rest of the oh. fire department is actually, you know, preoccupied with making sure his chair is awaiting him when he gets to the bottom. Right, they've got one of those giant, um, those giant circle things where you have people jump off buildings. <laughs> they just have to pull up the firemen, just in case. <laughs> uh, but now I'm really offended by this whole concept, this sort of a patriarchal heteronormative, heteronormative idea that uh, you can't use an elevator in a fire. Like. Those are the old rules, bro. Like, I can't believe you guys are still doing that in Woketopia. Well, it's, it's you know, we will decolonize uh, the, the fire rules. Mm -hmm. uh, and we will uh, eventually, you know, we'll tear all that down and, and build it up in, in a new fashion. We just haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, we've experimented with it. It didn't uh, work so well because the elevator wound up acting as a flu. Uh, and a chimney and then they, they, they were basically suffocated, but we, you know, we're going to challenge this. We will decolonize it. And at some point in the future, you will be able to use the elevator during a fire. Uh, and you're not going to have to listen to some, you know, old white fire chief telling you not. Yeah. Th those are colonial ways of the way flames move and what air does to fire and all that stuff. That's just, that's, that is old thinking. Yes. I mean, just, you know, hop on your, uh, you know, Robert E. Lee statue, Brian. There you go. Mighty. Um, all right. A any last things we need to know about um, Telosa before we uh, move on to our next bit? Well, there, you'll, uh, all students are welcome at the Telosa High School. There's no barrier to entry. Uh, there's no okay. standardized testing allowed. Uh, Good. Grades are verboten. Mm -hmm. Saying German is verboten. It's hate speech. <laughs> That may be true. That may be the first thing I've heard that I agree with. <laughs> so your kids, okay. your kid is guaranteed to graduate uh, with straight A's. And okay, well, I mean, guaranteed acceptance to Telosa University where they can study the oh. humanities course of their choice. <laughs> well, what about, um, you know, what about like, you know, how's the Telosa uh, business school? It's not, uh, there's not really a business school. Because business implies exploitation. You know, mm -hmm. somebody running a business is exploiting everyone underneath him. And right. that's not acceptable. And that's why uh, there's the giant statue of uh, Jeffrey Bezos as Hitler in the center of town. So uh -huh. it's just a giant Bezos with a Hitler mustache and he's holding his penis mm -hmm. rocket in his hand. And it just says exploiter underneath. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the location of a lot of gatherings and parties and functions. It's sure. a really beautiful part of town. Man, I can't. Well, let me know when I can put in my deposit. Uh, you, you can immediately if you want. We take Venmo. We got to raise <laughs> $25 billion. We'll take anything. I bet you will. Well, good luck, Brian. Thanks, Jack. Good afternoon. Uh, we're going to begin boarding Taliban Airlines Flight 85 to Islamabad shortly. We will begin by boarding our Virgins of Paradise Loyalty Club members and active duty Mujahideen, followed by business class males, then main cabin males, and then finally main cabin females. 
As always, wheel well passengers are free to board at any time prior to or during takeoff. Paging the following standby passengers. Mohammed Mohammed, Omar Mohammed, Aziz Mohammed, Khalid Mohammed, Mohammed Al Mohammed, and Alan Mohammed. Please see a gate agent immediately. Thank you. Jack. Hmm. Brian. Guess what? I, I can't guess. I What? There's a new opportunity to make this podcast some money. Awesome. Yes. What do you have to do? Well, uh, you know, Ann Landers. <laughs> I do know Ann Landers. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's dead, but they're looking for a replacement. Uh-huh. And so what they need is somebody who's going to take questions from people and answer them. And I don't know if you know the racket, but you know, you've got a whole team writing answers for you. So all you need to do is just read these poor people's questions and the answers to help them get along with their lives. And, uh, and if you do that and you're professional about it, we can make some money. Oh, that, well, that's great. I mean, it, it, you know, smart to sort of tap into the Ann Landers market, you know, for people, uh, you know, over 60 who still remember her. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, that's really great. It's a really great business choice, Brian. I'm so excited. She's an advice columnist. That's right. And you go. could be too, if you play your cards right. Well, this is great. I mean, all I have to do is read this. Let me, um, so I heard you send the email. I sent you it and we just, let's read it and let's get this going. Let's make us some money. All right. So I, I just, I just got it now. Yep. Um, let me just read it. Ahead just of time read it. So just can... read it now. Cause there's no time. We don't want to waste any time. You know, there's a contest out there for, for these people. Uh, we want to be the first ones to, to get our entry in. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Then I want the money. So, okay, whatever. So, all right. Tell me when to start. Start. <clears throat> Dear Jack Landers, I'm a 16 year old girl and I've been struggling a little bit. My family is very religious and they believe that members of the LGBTQIA plus 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 community are sinful and will burn in hell, especially when they sing YMCA and dance on flatbed trucks in their tidy whities. I do not agree with my parents' views, and I think we should tolerate people no matter where they park their dingaroos. <laughs> I'm sorry, no matter where they park their didgeridoos. <laughs> Two of my friends have recently come out to me. One uh, says she is bisexual, which means she likes boobies and dinkies. <laughs> I'm glad she's explaining. The other one says she is gender fluid, which means that she needs a lot of attention on... <laughs> On Mondays, she dresses like a car mechanic, and by Friday, she's done up like a hyper-sexy Jedi and calls herself Luke Streetwalker. <laughs> I like my friends a lot, and it hurts me to hear my parents make negative comments about people who are born that way or just need attention. I want to say something, but I'm scared to tell them my opinion. My brother Rodney did once, so Dad made him drink a Drano smoothie, and it dissolved most of his esophagus. Can you help me? Signed, Keeping Quiet in California. And here's the answer. Dear Keeping Quiet, you are a very good friend to be concerned. My feeling is that even though bisexual women are pretty hot, it's not likely to change the way your parents feel on the subject if they are devout Christians or Muslims. My guess is your dad would probably be totally turned on by a bisexual girl and her friend dressed like Luke Streetwalker, but your mom most likely wouldn't because many women lack the horn dog gene the men have. So she would likely invoke devil imagery and other non-sexy things. The last thing you want is for mom to be so mad that she withholds her marital duties from your dad, sending him into a rage. Then you come home and your mom is gone and your dad says she left the family, but there's a big lump in the backyard that your dog won't stop falling at. <laughs> the best bet is to wait until you and your friends are 18, at which point you are legally a man. <laughs> emancipated and can tell your parents about your hot, sexy friends and the bisexual one can come over to my house and party with me in the garage. Well, all right. I mean, listen, it's your first advice column. You know, it's hard maybe to, to process some of this stuff. I guess I, I really, I mean, that one was hard to get through. It was apparently. Wow. Didgeridoos and, oh, well, you know what? We've got another chance. Okay. Some messed up advice there. Very immature, very immature writer. Mm, I, I thought the writing was brilliant. 
you know, I don't know why you would think the writing is brilliant, but okay, here we go. <laughs> Take away, Jack Landers. All right. All right. I've just uh, opened it. Here we go. <clears throat> Dear Jack Landers, my best friend has an annoying habit that I need help addressing. Basically, he gives me unsolicited advice on everything under the sun. At first, it didn't bother me. Now it's constant and really makes me feel like he thinks I'm a total idiot who would completely fall apart without his helpful guidance. I know he means well, but it comes across as condescending. For example, I told him I was thinking about taking a trip to London. He told me I would need a passport to go there. Now, even though I want to be sarcastic and say, oh, really? You need a passport to travel internationally? I don't. Instead, I hold my tongue and pitch my cat. <laughs> Instead, I hold my tongue and pinch my cat until it wails. Then he tells me I shouldn't pinch cats until they wail. When he tells me that, I want to be sarcastic and say, oh, you think I shouldn't pinch Princess Buttercup? But instead, I keep my mouth shut and put a light bulb. <laughs> but instead, I keep my mouth shut and put a light bulb in my bum. Then he tells me that no one at the emergency room is going to believe me. When I tell them I tripped and accidentally sat at a light bulb, it's aggravating and as humiliating as being in the ER with a bum bulb. <laughs> I don't want to lose his friendship because his heart is in the right place and he has a nice yard. <laughs> but I am also tired of wailing cats and the threat of broken glass in my colon. Please advise. Signed, not a kid and not dumb. Dear not a kid. One way to handle it would be to ask your friend why the advice was being offered. If he tells you that you need a passport, ask him why he's telling you that. You might think he's questioning your intelligence, but it could be that it's based on a personal experience where he showed up at the airport without a passport. Likewise, maybe he's had a 25-watt bulb in his bum, and the ER nurse has laughed at his excuse, and he's trying to help you avoid a similar reaction by encouraging you to come up with a more plausible reason the x-ray shows a bulb in your bum. A little communication can really clear things up. If the FBI had only communicated with the CIA about the Saudi guys taking flying lessons, then we'd still have the World Trade Center and the TSA twats wouldn't exist. Oh, God. Mm. Well, you know, advice columns, you know, you got to build up. You, you just, you just got to work at it. We got another I mean, chance. Yeah. Get super political at the end. I did not see that lecture on 9-11 coming. Communication is important. I guess to Jack Landers, it's really important. Oh my gosh. All right. Big fan of the intelligence agencies. Okay. I've just opened the third one that you just sent me. All right. Here's our chance. Last chance. All right. This, this is it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to break. I'm a professional. Here we go. Dear Jack Landers, I've been married for nearly 20 years, and in all that time, I never once got jealous. However, that has changed lately. My wife has been flirting with an acquaintance at work, and for some reason, I can't let it go, even though I know I should. It initially started at the company pool party. At first, I found the flirty banter funny, just the kind of thing you'd expect from someone being straddled in the hot tub. I laughed along with everyone else, but the flirting never seemed to stop. Continuing behind the pool shed, in the guest room, in the flatbed of his Ford F-150 Super Duty pickup truck. At some point, she disappeared, and I didn't see her until the following morning, when she came home totally disheveled and completely flirted out. When I told her that I felt that the flirting was making me uncomfortable, she accused me of being a jealous husband and took a week-long holiday in Puerto Rico with her colleague. I've felt terrible ever since, because I know it's my fault for being so insecure. How can I make it up to her? Signed, don't want to flirt up my marriage. <laughs> That's clever. Dear flirt up. Jealousy is a tricky emotion that we really need to keep in check. It can force us to jump to conclusions and make accusations that we will later regret, as you learned. It's obvious to anyone that your wife and her work colleague use flirtation to get them through the workday and nothing more. If you'd only bitten your tongue, she might not have had to soothe her feelings with a week in Puerto Rico. A personal story. Last week, I came home early and went upstairs to find my moaning wife lying in bed naked with Kendrick Lamar's head buried in her lap. <laughs> At first, I had the terrible thought that my wife was having an ongoing affair with a Grammy Award winning recording artist. That made me feel terrible because I don't have a single Grammy. 
But then it occurred to me that Kendrick was most likely checking my wife for ticks because he doesn't want her to get Lyme disease. I smiled, knowing how caring and thoughtful he is, and I vowed to buy his latest album. I quietly closed the bedroom door and let him continue on his tick hunt. (laughs) When I saw her two hours later, she was tick-free and happier than I'd ever seen her. I high-fived Kendrick and thanked him for taking the time out of his day to check my wife for ticks. That's the America I want to live in. Sugar. You know, it, it's, it doesn't help that Jack Landers appears to be a freaking idiot. Like, why can't I just answer the advice, the, the questions with my own advice? Uh, you know what? This is just the way they do it. The, the advice giving business has, has been around for a long time. There's Dear Abby and Ann Landers, and I think they were even sisters. And, uh, you know, it's just... It's just the way it is. They, you know, you have a team of people who are experts and, and know the proper answer for all these, all these people. But and those um, are the proper answers. Hey, I, I don't, I don't challenge them. I, I don't have any expertise in in marriages and Lyme disease and um, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> well, first of all, I know you have an expertise in Lyme disease. <laughs> That's actually true. I've had it a few times. Yes. Because I've never had anybody checking me for ticks. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. That's because your wife is uh, in Puerto Rico with Kendrick Lamar. That's right. Um, Well, damn. Um, I'm sorry, Brian. I I tried to do my best. I I apologize for not being better. I will see if we can get another shot somewhere down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Reach out for me. All right, Jack. Well, review us and all that. Yeah, that would really be great. Uh, a review, uh, you know, be sure to drop us a line, send us a tweet, whatever. We love hearing from you guys. And, um, you know, thanks for listening. It's great to be back. It's great you be back, Jack. You you ruined it. I That was the close, what I said. Right. Okay, and, and stop talking. End. Okay. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. Taliban Airlines. We want to fly and it shows.